Good morning. Welcome to Red Sea Roundup. Today is Tuesday, July 11th, and I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm. And I uh, hope you're having a great day. Uh, summer's about half over as far as the youngsters are concerned. We have a couple of feast days today that we want to talk about. Uh, of course, today is the Feast of St. Benedict. Yes, the St. Benedict, who founded monasticism in the Western world and is the founder of the Benedictine uh, monks. But it's also the feast of St. Abundius, a little-known saint. He was a priest and martyr in Spain who faced Islamic persecution. Abundius was a pastor in Anelos, was arrested in Cordoba, Spain, when he refused to abandon his Christian faith. He was brought before the caliph, the Muslim ruler of the city. He preached about Christianity in the church. The caliph condemned him and beheaded him. So uh, we're not to that point yet in our culture, but it may not be that far off. And I've got a couple of <laughs> uh, Thaddeus is over there uh, making the sign of the cross. Uh, by the way, to both sections of today's uh, program will be pre-recorded. I will have two, two guests. Uh, I will have Arlene first, and then we will have Sarah Hayes as the last half of the program. So with that, let's bring on Arlene. Arlene, are you there? Yes, I am. And Arlene, your last name again? Arlene? Arlene Figaro. Figaro. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, Arlene, you're here for a very special reason, and uh, you're going to tell us a little bit about Axe, and specifically the Axe Retreat that starts this Thursday evening with the ladies from St. Thomas Aquinas. Can you tell me a little That's bit? That's right. What is Axe for those people that don't know? Okay. The acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S, stands for Adoration, Community, Theology, and Service. And these four themes are the focus of the activities for the weekend that we have together. It's become known as the Pillars of Components of the Weekend. Um, ACTS was inspired by Acts of the Apostles, uh, verse 2, 42 through 47. And I'll just read a part of that. It says, "They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apost- to the teaching of the apostles at communion life, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers." So that's what um, Acts uh, stands for. It's community and bringing women together. And we also have the men's Acts retreat, which brings the men together. Some people think that um, that this spun off from the Cosilio um, retreat. Yes. So that's uh, basically what our Axe retreat is is about. You've been involved in Axe at St. Thomas for some time, have you not? Um, I was one of the first retreatants at um, St. Thomas Aquinas um, when a group of women from San Antonio came and had our first Axe retreat in January of 2013. And since then, I have been an active member and participated on uh, several other retreats. So what is your role in this retreat, Arlene? Uh, for, in this retreat, I am act, actually the director. Which the means retreat. you have the, all, the, the, the ultimate responsibility for everything that goes on. Is that correct? Um, 
Well, I have, I'm the figurehead. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is who guides this entire retreat. Well, I understand because that. If it were up to me, it will not be, <laughs> it would not go well. So okay, I understand. I, I, give all, all, I give all glory to the Holy Spirit and to God. Okay, so the, you've got a retreat coming up for this weekend, and it, it starts Thursday evening, yes. right? And mm-hmm. um, it starts July 13th, and we meet in Zurich Hall, which is at St. Thomas Aquinas, meeting at uh, 5.30 p.m. Okay. And the retreat goes on to Sunday, uh, July 16th, and we return at for the 11 a.m. Mass at St. Thomas Aquinas. Okay, so... It's it, it. You say go and return. It, it's not at St. Thomas Aquinas itself, is it? No, we travel to a retreat center that's in Tomball. Okay, so that's about an hour's drive, is is it not? Yeah. Okay. And now, I think maybe just a little over an hour. So, why would a woman uh, want to attend this retreat? Well, women attend the retreat for different reasons. Um, I know myself specifically, when I first moved here to College Station, I had no friends or family, um, and I went, would go to Mass and from Mass go home, and I, I felt the calling for community and a need to belong. Uh, so when I went to that retreat, I went there as someone who didn't know anyone, and by the time the retreat was over, I had some beautiful, beautiful friends that um, have continued to be my friends and sisters um, throughout my time here. Uh, it's also a time to connect with God and time for prayer and adoration, like I said. Uh, it's also a time that you reflect on where you are and where God needs you to be. So that everyone goes for a different reason. And there's a balance of, th- of all those things, isn't there? I- there are talks, and there's time for reflection, uh, and there mm-hmm. are devotions, and, and all sorts of things. Plus an opportunity to go to confession, is there not? Yes, there is an opportunity to go to confession when you're there. We have several priests who will be on site, and yeah, we, we, do, um, we do participate with that also. What, what, do you, what would you say, uh, from your experience, both as a retreatant and as someone who's been on the retreat team, is is the highlight of the weekend for you? I know that there's a, you don't want to give away a lot, but what do you think would be the highlight? Is it the fellowship? Is it the talks? Is it just that, that you reconnect with God? What would you say is the, the thing that, that, for you at least, seemed to be the most important thing, other than the fact that you made a lot of new friends? Uh, the highlight is, for me, was how rich being the Catholic faith is. Because on that retreat, I learned so much about my faith. And um, I think that was, it, I, I already had the foundation, but that it, it's just the beauty in the things that we do. Mm-hmm. And the things that we believe, did you, um, it was really emphasized on the retreat. And then you bring that home with a fire and a passion. 
Yes, don't you? And, and did, did you also find that you connected more with God in this retreat? Or did you develop a deeper relationship with God, in particular his son, Jesus Christ, when you were on the retreat? Most definitely, because that's, that's who's calling you there. And so when you, you're there at the retreat, things that are said, things that you do, you just you, you reflect on your life and, and how he's been there for you all the time. It gives you a chance to just have that time to appreciate what God has been doing in your life. So what he does is it takes you away from all of the uh, interruptions all and distractions busyness. of life. Mm-hmm. And all the busyness of life. All and, the busyness of life. Um, the busyness. Yes. So, and, and that's that's important. We need to do that every now and then. In a, in a real mm-hmm. sense, it is a retreat. It may not be a negation silent retreat or uh, something of that nature, but it is, it is a retreat in that you retreat from the world and go to uh, listen to what God has to say to you and, and be amazed at how he is able to speak to you through other people. Definitely. What, who, uh, that's, that's great. And do you have a fairly good sized team? I mean, it's not just going to be you there. It, it, you're going to have a fairly no, good. No, we have, um, we have a, a um, team of 36 women right now. Okay. And and 36 women are just eager to to share with other women and uh, just, you know, be Christ for them for that weekend. Yes, and, and there are opportunities to, uh, to open up t- to people after talks, right? Definitely, yes. We have... Um, like I said, I, there's not. I don't want to share too much, but yes, there's there's opportunities to talk, and there's opportunities to to be silent and to reflect and just appreciate the the weekend for what it is. If someone uh, was on the retreat and discerns that they need some additional spiritual direction beyond what they've been getting in the past, is will there be an opportunity for that as well? Um. I'm trying to figure what you're asking there. Is, if someone, if do it, we will, have, will there be people there that if someone needs some extended one-on-one with somebody that ha- wants to unburden their souls, there'd be people there that they could go off in a corner and talk, correct? Um, if there, if there is that need, we do have a spiritual guide who's, who's there on the okay. retreat with us. Okay. So you have a spiritual guide, which is very important, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So if, if, if someone's listening to this, and let's say we have listeners in the Bryan College Station area, we have listeners in the Waco area, we have listeners in the Palestine area now. If someone is listening to this and they don't know what tax is, but they think, well, this sounds like something that I would maybe like to do, are they welcome to come? Oh, they're very welcome to come. And how many? We, we have we have room for, for more women, so if they... Uh... If they want to come, if, you know, they, uh, we have uh, applications online. They can go onto the church website, and um, they can sign on there. They, um, the application has my name and phone number and email address. So if they wanted to, to touch base with me, they could do that also. And that web address is sda 
bcs.org, and then it will be forward slash acts to get to that point, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. And they, there's also information there on that website to tell what acts is and what's going on and what what they need to bring and what they don't need to bring and so forth too, right? Right. Uh, once they once they send in the application, we can also you know contact them and tell them what they need to bring. And like I told you uh, before when we were talking, Gene, that we will accept people up until the last day. So. Um, you know, just make sure that uh, you have comfortable attire um, that, so that you can enjoy the weekend. If you do have any um, concerns about um, allergies or foods that you can't eat, you have to let us know that in advance okay. so that we can um, prepare for you. And lest anybody think that they're going to be out in uh, tents somewhere, the uh facilities are really rather comfortable, are they not? Yes, they are. And yeah, no tents. No tents. <laughs> and the food is outstanding, as I recall. Um, I would say it is. I'm sorry? Wait, I would say it is. Yeah. You, there's no concern of um, not having enough or anything like that. It, so it's, it's well catered for. The only thing, the only thing that you really give up by going there is sleep to some extent. <laughs> um, well, some people would also, you know, like I wouldn't say give up, but you know, you're away from family for a little time. But it's also, when you come back, you come back renewed and refreshed. Yes, it's true. It's true. What would be the uh, the one thing that you would say to a woman who is listening now uh, that would you would think she would need to hear if she's sitting on the fence or not knowing whether this is something that she should do, what, what would you tell her? Well, if you're sitting on the fence thinking if it's something you should do, it's probably because you're being called. And... Um, this is your time to say yes and spend time with other people who ha- who are going through a journey because this is not our final destination. And sometimes you need that person, someone else to help you through this journey. And we be- have become a great community. Um, not only as an Axe community, because Axe is only a part of who we are at St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, so if you are on the fence about going, it's probably because you're being called. And we say welcome. Please come. And it doesn't matter where a person is spiritually. A person could be off in the weeds somewhere or something could be somebody that spends three hours a day in adoration and acts could still be a benefit to them. Correct. Definitely. And you actually don't have to be uh, Catholic. You might be interested to know a little bit more about our faith. We say welcome to you too. Oh, so you don't have to be Catholic to, to be at an acts retreat. No. Okay. So if, if you've had a non-Catholics at retreats that you've been on uh, Arlene. Yes. Did did they yes, did they get a lot out of it? They did. Okay. Um, one in particular is now uh, 
more than one, I think, uh, actually on team. Um, so, yeah, they do get a lot of, out of it. And the team is, is, has uh, been working together now for, what, about three months to, to get ready, three, four months? Yeah, we started, uh, we, start, we started the teaming process back in April. So we have been praying for this and working diligently to get this off the ground. So, yeah, since uh, April. And for any men that are listening, they're not left out because there's a men's axe retreat coming up a week, a month from this, correct? Uh, that's correct. The men's retreat will begin on August Thursday the 3rd through the 6th. And and I've been on a men's axe retreat, retreat, and you don't have to be a jock to go. I mean, you can be just as just as nerdy as I am and go and feel comfortable. Yes, and I'm hoping you will get to uh, speak to Damon Wallace, who is the director for the Men's Axe Retreat. And there's information on the website about the Men's Axe Retreat as well, correct? Yes, there is. Okay. So So you can sign up for the Men's Axe Retreat even now. Even now. And that that would be welcome if you did that now so that there could be more planning. One of the things that I remember from the Axe Retreat is that you have people praying for you the whole time you're there and uh, and before and after. Uh, mm-hmm. You have at least one person in particular, and then there are a group of people from St. Thomas Aquinas that are praying for you uh, the whole time you're there. There are people doing adoration and prayer, correct? That's correct. We have a, a prayer board and uh, people... Uh, Pray for us throughout the the entire retreat. That that is People so from the from the Saint Thomas Aquinas community, and that's why I said Acts is only a part of. But people from Saint Thomas Aquinas who may never have gone to Acts, they they pray for us. Everybody, they take an hour, um, an hour of from Thursday all the way through Sunday till we return, praying for us and asking for God's blessing on what's going on there at the retreat center. So there are people giving up their sleep to intercede with God so that the people that are on the retreat, both the team and the retreatants, are touched. That's right. And you can feel that prayer, can you not? Oh, yes, we do feel that prayer. We do feel that prayer. Um, and we give thanks uh, when, we get, when we come back. It's just a beautiful thing um, to see you know, and come back into the community as a whole, you know, and just see the wonderful people who have been praying for us and, and feel them when we come to Mass and see the joy that the joy that we are feeling, that they have felt the same joy just praying for us to bring us through this. We've got about 30 seconds left, Arlene. Is there anything else that you would like to say uh, as an encouragement or, or whatever about the Women's Axe Retreat uh, th- that you would you think is really important that people know? Uh, like I said, the, the, it's all about the love of, of God and wanting to reconnect with Him in some way. And no matter where you are in your faith journey, this could be something that will make your journey maybe a little lighter, or show you where God needs you to be um, in your community. 
So even if you come back and you're not part of the St. Thomas Aquinas community, it could be showing you where you need to be directing your life in whatever community you belong to. Thank you so much, Arlene. We are going to a break now, and when I come back, Sarah Hayes will be with us. Welcome back to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm, and I this portion of my program today is pre-recorded, and I have with me a very special guest, uh, Sarah Hayes. Sarah Hayes has been a campus minister here at St. Mary's in College Station for 12 years, and she's about to begin another adventure in her life. Good morning, Sarah. <laughs> Good morning, Gene. How are you doing today? I'm good. I met you downstairs uh, as we were getting ready to come up, and you had your two dogs with you. And something very exciting is happening for you today that uh, is a part of this whole adventure. What is that? Yeah, um, the inspectors are coming to the house today because I have a contract on my house. So, um, And that happened rather quickly, did it not? It did. The first day, I think there were 14 or so people that viewed the house, and... Uh, Second day, a handful more, and I think there were 14 offers. Uh, so my realtor was quite surprised by that, and that process is underway. And so that is, in my view, a confirmation of this new adventure that you're about to begin. And we'll get to that adventure in a little bit. But let's talk a little bit about yourself and your background and how you eventually got to St. Mary's. Now, you were born and raised where? I grew up in Plano, Texas, a suburb of North Dallas. Okay, and uh, you went to St. Mark's Church, is that correct? I did. Um, I went to St. Mark's growing up, um, was baptized there, First Communion. Um, and then for a little bit, we were more Eastern <laughs> Christmas Catholics, um, kind of went through some troubles in our family and didn't go to Mass each Sunday. Um, and then it was after my eighth grade year, um, a friend of mine encouraged me to go back to church. And so I got really involved there um, and then spent the rest of my Time and place. Now, was Father Claude Smith still at the church when you went back, or he was probably gone by that time? No, nope, he was still there. He was still um, there. He was there through, I think, a couple years of my college years. I volunteered at St. Mark's when I was in college. Okay. And um, what did you do at St. Mark's as a volunteer? Well, I mostly got involved in youth group, and um, my freshman year of college, there was a new youth minister at St. Mark's, Doug Weisbrook. Who is and, now at St. Luke's in Temple. Yes. And... He started, um, he, he and the other um, staff member there doing youth ministry bought, brought Life Teen to St. Mark's. Yes. Um, I don't think they have it anymore, but um, that was kind of a new start there. And they started a worship band at the Life Teen Mass. And Doug invited me to be a part of that and then also to be a part of the core team, which were the adults that helped um, with that program. Now, now, were you with that group when they cut their CD? I was. And what, what, what was your part in that, Sarah? Um, I was on vocals. On vocals? So. That is a v excellent. I don't know whether that's still available, but that is really an excellent CD. I've heard it and listened to it many times. I think there's a few copies still out there. It's funny. Actually, a couple months ago, we have a donations bin in the, <laughs> in the workroom and someone donated it. <laughs> but I wasn't offended because it was a fun blast from the past and I kept it. Um, 
Okay, so were you involved in youth ministry itself when you were in high school, or was that kind of out of the picture at that time? In high school, I definitely was. Um, so Steve Angrisano, a lot of people know him now as a musician and performer, um, but he was a youth minister first at St. Mark's. So um, that summer after my eighth grade year, I got um, started going back to church and got invited to a youth conference. I think it was called Youth Fest. I don't think it happens anymore, but... Um, that was a diocesan thing, was it not? I think so. And that was really the first time that I heard people talk about God like he was real and not just an idea and not just rules and not just kind of this grandpa in the sky. Um, mm-hmm. There were some really neat <clears throat> young women on that retreat. And the other thing on that retreat that really impacted me was just the the youth group itself was very welcoming. And um, where I went to school, it was kind of clicky and... Uh, and what school did you go to? Um, just in Plano. I went to um, Plano Senior High was where I went yes. for high school. Yeah. Went to Carpenter Middle School and Clark High School. Okay. So, um, so the, the, the youth group was very inviting. Yes. Everybody had a place. It didn't matter who you were and everybody was very different. And so those two things really um, tugged at my heart and I got involved in that youth group um, with Steve Angrisano. And then he left, I think, my senior year and, um, and then Doug came my freshman year. Of college. So where did you go to college, Sarah? I started out at UNT, um, no, I didn't, University of Texas at Dallas. Um, and that was kind of just a default. My brother had gone there and it was close to home and I wanted to live at home. I wasn't ready to go away. Um, and they had a really strong psychology program, which is what I started out studying. And I was there for two years and I did really like it. I had good friends. I was an orientation leader. I was really connected to the school. Um, but I started to find that in my free time, I was reading about my faith and learning about my faith, and that's really what interested me more than anything else. And I wanted to really study that in an academic way, not just reading on my own. And so that's when I learned about University of Dallas, which is where I transferred my junior year. Wow. So you uh, you you got some really good theology and philosophy and all that at UD. I did. I loved it there. Um, very academically focused, um, small classes, so a lot of discussion. You can't really skip class. <laughs> yes. And at that point in time, I don't know whether it still is, but at that point in time, it was probably one of the three or four most Catholic colleges in the country. I think so. Um, the theology program is very solid. And, and you probably had some Cistercians. Yes. <laughs> they are wonderful. <laughs> if you can understand their Hungarian accents. Yes. One of them had a photographic memory and he could quote verbatim all these theological works, and you'd look in your book, and sure enough, on page 256, <laughs> paragraph two, Walter Casper says, or whatever. Uh, it's kind of funny. But And so you got a degree then in what, theology uh, from UD? In theology, yes. Okay. And so, th- and that, that took you where? So <clears throat> sometime in high school, I attended a net retreat, um, National Evangelization Team's so it's a group of young people who travel for nine months and give retreats for high school and junior high youth. And um, I had gone on that retreat and there was something about that retreat that, especially my small group leader, I remember that she was just so alive and so excited about God and about the life he had for her and for us that I really was impacted by that. And I just kind of remember thinking, I want to do that. And then throughout college, um, the new youth minister at my home parish that I volunteered with had gone on net and his wife had gone on net. And his sister had gone on wet and his <laughs> yes. net and his brother-in-law had gone on net. Lots of them had gone on net. And so um, 
they shared with me a lot about what they learned on their time on net, not just about leading retreats, but about themselves and about living in community and about growing in faith. And so um, I kind of always had it in my mind from that ninth grade retreat that I went on that I wanted to do net. And so when I graduated from college um, at UD, I did do a year of net. One year of net. Mm-hmm. So did, were, did you ever get van sick? I got car van sick quite frequently. <laughs> there are some funny pictures of me with a trash bag hung around my neck. <laughs> I offered to drive a lot. <laughs> okay. I understand that in net, you get to really find out a lot about who you are and how you can relate to people when you're in that van with 12 or 15 other people. Yes. So you travel for nine months um, with those. We had 11 people on our team. Um, so there's two team leaders and then 11 members total. And um, our specific team, we did a lot of rural areas. So we were in rural North, North Dakota. Um, so you travel every day for a few hours, stay at a host home, do a retreat, travel every day for a few hours, stay at a host home, do your retreat. So um, you really spend a lot of time with people. And um, for me, growing up, I always chose friends that were like me. So it was definitely a new experience for me to be on this team of people who are very diverse personalities, upbringings, interest, um, choice of music. You know, you play van- music in the van, <laughs> um, but all kinds of differences. And so it was really good for me to be in that environment and um, just learn a little bit more and be a little more self-aware. So you spend a year on net, decided that you'd netted enough <laughs> and you did something else then. What, what did you do next? I did. So it was actually kind of funny because all growing up, I thought, well, I'm going to go to college. That was just something in my family and in our growing up. And I knew I would go to college. And then after college, I knew I wanted to go on net. And then I got back from net and I was like, huh, I didn't think past that. (laughs) So that summer I got back from net was a little rough trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And um, it's actually kind of funny because when I was on net, I would think, well, maybe I'll do some sort of faith formation, adult faith formation. I think that would be neat. Maybe I would do campus ministry, maybe youth ministry, but I do not want to do junior high youth ministry. That was kind of my thinking. And of Mm -hmm. course, the first job that I got was a junior high youth ministry job. (laughs) At St. Mark's? Yes, at St. Mark's, my home parish. I was at the youth mass one night and um, one of the volunteers, a parent of some of the kids who I'd known for a while, came up to me and said, hey, there's a job opening for a junior high youth minister. You should apply. (laughs) And so um, I did. And actually, it was a huge blessing. I actually loved junior high youth ministry. Um, It was sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. And they're a blast. They're all over the map developmentally. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was a lot of fun. And I also really got to learn how to explain my faith um, in a way that it wasn't watered down, but in a way that it could be relatable. um, Because... I didn't want to lose those concepts I'd learned in school, but I also couldn't talk about them the way that I talked about them in the papers I wrote in school. So there was a lot of time that those years of learning how to share my faith in a way that other people can understand. And I think uh, from my own experience that what we learn in, in college sometimes is, is on one level. And when we get out in a place where we can apply it, we have a little difficulty trying to, to become more practical, mm-hmm. which is what you're saying. Yeah, and a lot of it too, you know, um, I had several years of theology and several classes and this huge foundation, but could I explain this one concept in a simple enough way that someone who didn't know everything that I'd learned could understand? And that was a really neat challenge for me um, as I was doing that first couple years of junior high youth ministry. 
and do two years of junior high ministry. And then where did you, what happened next? Well, during that time, I was really considering going back to school. I always loved school. Um, I'm one of those people that likes reading and writing and papers, and I don't even mind studying. (laughs) So um, I had always kind of thought I would go back to graduate school. And I had looked for a little bit into some other places and it just didn't work out. It just didn't seem like right timing. And so I was still working in youth ministry. I thought, you know, I'm going to just go visit UD and, you know, talk with my old advisor. He was still there and just kind of see what all would be involved, what the process would look like. And I went to visit (laughs) and within an hour I was registered. (laughs) So I thought, okay, God. Um, And so I started by taking just one class a semester and I was still working full-time in ministry. Um, And then at the end of that first a year doing both, I decided that I wanted to take a break from ministry and go um, get my degree and do that full time. And so I did that um, for another year. So you got a master's degree in? In theology. In theology. <laughs> from University of Dallas again. So is that, then you ended up at St. Mary's next or what happened there? I did. So um, I was finishing up my coursework and so um, looking at jobs and praying about jobs and Um, When I left youth ministry, I was a little burned out. I was tired. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm an introvert, so the constant being around people is a little bit of a drain sometimes. And so I kept thinking, I don't know if I want to do ministry. And so I was looking at all different kinds of jobs. And one day I was in the Adoration Chapel, and I remember just telling God, why can't I find a job? (laughs) And it was like, clear as a bell, you're not looking in the right place. And I knew that he wanted me to go back into ministry. And so it was shortly after that that I— found the um, job advertisement for here at St. Mary's. And I had never um, been to St. Mary's. Actually, that's not true. I'd come to Mass here once um, when my brother was a student. But um, I had never been involved at St. Mary's, but I had a lot of friends that were that were up in the Dallas area, and they were Aggies, and they loved this place. And so um, I just kept reading the job description, and it was all the things that I loved. It was working with SMIRT, which is a youth ministry group, um, youth retreat team group, Um, It was working with confirmation, which I'd been doing for three years. Um, And it just, it was working with small groups, which I just helped implement some at my own parish. And I thought, okay, this looks like me. And so um, I applied. I can understand that bit about the introvert because an introvert, as I understand it, and from, I'm really an introvert. Most people don't realize that, but you like you, you can be with people, but you need that time to recharge. Mm-hmm. And when you're in something like youth ministry, there's not a lot of time to recharge, is there? Yeah. Just the ba- it was hard to find the balance of being with people all day and then still having friends and still having a social life and having enough time to myself. Well, were you at all frightened uh, having come from a college uh, or uni- University of Dallas is probably smaller than your high school as it far was. as uh-huh. to a school <laughs> as large as A&M and the the at that time was I don't know, was the church or the chapel of the incarnation uh, probably couldn't hold over two or three hundred people yeah. to a, a church as large as St. Mary's. Was there anything frightening about that? Not about that. I think that um, my high school had been big and um, my home parish was pretty big that I grew up in. I think the the thing for me was leaving home because that was the first time that I actually um, I had lived out lived apart from my parents before, but I had never lived outside of Plano. Um, permanently. And so leaving my home where I'd grown up and all my friends were and all the things that I knew, um, that was probably the biggest challenge. And it wasn't that far. <laughs> it's just three hours and 15 minutes. But um, at the time, it seemed it seemed like a huge, a huge step. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So how what was it uh, rather sudden that you got here? Was it a long process to become a member of the St. Mary's team? Or was it one of these things like selling your house where it just sort of happened instantaneously? It was actually kind of funny. So I applied for the job. Um, I think I drug my feet a little bit because I didn't want to move out of Dallas. <laughs> but I finally applied. And so I applied and I got an email back from one of the campus ministers. And it just said, you know, several of our staff is out of town this week for summer vacations. And once everyone's back, we'll have a chance to review your application. And then maybe an hour or two later, I got another email that said, actually, we're going to go ahead and move you to the next phase of the process, which was to send in a a video interview. And so um, video interview, I'd never done that before. I didn't have a video. I didn't have a, you know, any way to record that, but I borrowed something from a friend and um, took me a little bit to get it in and was contacted and said, well, I know we haven't gotten your video yet, but we want to go ahead and set up an interview. And I said, okay. So, uh, Um, I came and I actually had three interviews, one with students and permanent parishioners here, one with the staff of St. Mary's, which at that time was much smaller. I think there was maybe 15 people total in the room. And then one with um, the outgoing pastor, which was Bishop Mike Sis, and one with the incoming pastor, now Bishop David Condorler. So um, it was a little bit of a lengthy process, but it went really quick. Um, Sounds like it. It sounds to me, Sarah, as though God has been very active in your life and giving you uh, sometimes not so gentle nudges every now and then. Yes, I think he makes things very obvious. (laughs) (laughs) I think I have a tendency to uh, be a little timid and be a little scared of change. And so I think one of the ways that he moves me along in that is by being very clear. When, When we had a discussion, you indicated that somewhere early on in your life, you had an understanding that God wanted you to be married. And through all of this, it hadn't really happened, had it? I mean, nope. So um, I think er- my early years in college, um, I spent a lot of time with some of the families from my church that were also volunteering with the Life Teen program. Um, there's a family back home that I had dinner with every Sunday night and got to see them and their kids. And that really stirred in me a huge desire to be married and began thinking that that might be what God is calling me to. Um, and that definitely continued very strong through that and through those um, early 20s and even late 20s. Um, but it didn't happen for a long time. <laughs> but God had told you you were going to be married. I definitely felt that way. I can say that I there's definitely times where I felt discouraged or times where I wondered if I was right. Like kind of, did I get that wrong? <laughs> you know, or times even where I was struggling with some of my own woundedness or my own issues and feeling like, well, maybe I can't do this. Maybe something's wrong with me and that's why this isn't happening. Um, So I definitely felt called to marriage early on, um, but I definitely struggled with whether I was hearing God correctly or if I was hearing him correctly, why wasn't that happening? Um, When God had you in this wilderness, like he had the Israelite people, it wasn't 40 years, but I'm sure there were times when you might have whined to God, this isn't what I signed up for. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> that is true. It wasn't 40 years, but it was 20. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely times where um, I doubted that that was even the plan, times where I doubted that he had a plan, times where I told him, I, I'm not proud of this, but times where I told him, if this is your plan, it sucks. <laughs> um, you know God's big enough to have you shake your fist yes. at him. <laughs> I've done some fist shaking. <laughs> <laughs> so... It sounds as though you've been through a lot, and it, 
being at St. Mary's, I'm sure in minister, you must have been invited to a lot of weddings. Yes. <laughs> and some of those might have been heartbreaking because they were young ladies, perhaps, or young men that you'll, they'll never get married. Yeah, definitely true. I have been invited to more weddings than I think I ever imagined. Um, and all of them genuinely happy for the couple. But that did a lot of times. I had I had good days and bad days. But a lot of times I kept thinking, you know, they're 21 or they're 23. <laughs> why them? Why not me? Um, so it's definitely a conversation that I had several times with God. So let's get back a little bit to your ministry here. You, you came on board 12 years ago and, and you mm-hmm. said you had uh, Smurt and I don't remember the others. You had several things that you did. Have you basically had the same uh, assignment through the 12 years you've been here or? No, it's definitely changed. Um, I, the only thing that I've kept the entire 12 years was Smurt St. Mary's Youth Retreat Team. Um, it's an organization that I love and their mission fits so much just my own mission. And so I've really enjoyed working with them all this time. Um, for about 10 years, I worked with um, Kappa Theta Beta, which is our Catholic sorority. Um, and that was something that kind of came to me by default as being a female staff member. Um, but I actually loved it. Um, it's a beautiful organization of women who um, just really come together because they want to grow in their faith. Um, so I've really enjoyed that. I worked with confirmation for several years. Um, we had a separate adult confirmation program, um, and I did that for a long time, which was really neat. Um, lots of other things. I've done some leadership formation. The last several years, I've worked with our student interns, um, training them and helping with formation, things like that. Well, somewhere along the way, God finally started to answer your prayer to be married. Would you like to tell us a little bit about how you met your fiance? Sure. (laughs) Um, It's actually a little bit comical because um, I had, over the years, tried various things. I'd tried going to young adults groups. I'd tried, um, you know, just getting involved in things in the community. I joined a choir, a local choir. Um, And I also tried Catholic Match, um, an online um, place where you can meet other like-minded Catholics. And so... I had tried that and I'd had a couple different relationships that resulted from that. And the last relationship I had from that, at the end, I said, I am never doing Catholic match again, (laughs) meaning not just Catholic match, but just online dating. And I think the reason for that was it was just difficult. I found it difficult to really get to know someone at a distance um, when you don't start out in the same place. And so I was adamant about that. I meant it with every fiber of my being. And then a couple months later... Um, or several months later, God very clearly one day was joined Catholic match. And I, I think I probably looked upward and said, you're kidding me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, because that was the last thing I wanted to do, but it was very clear. And so I did, I rejoined, um, I did the free service because I said, well, I'm not paying for this. Um, I told God that, and I approached it a little differently. I said, okay, God, I'll get on here. And if you want to do this, you do this. You use it as a tool. I'm not going to scour and look for people and I'm not going to stress out about it. So if you want to do something, you do it. And so a few weeks later, I think I saw Jesse's profile. Jesse's my fiance. And I don't really know. There's a lot of different little things, but I think I just read it and I thought, huh, he seems normal. He loves Jesus. He has prayer time. He's funny. He has hobbies. He just seemed like a neat guy. And so I just, I didn't have the service. So all I could do was send a little emoji, a little smiley face. And so that's what I did. Um, And then he wrote me back. And so I paid 
for a one month subscription in order to read that. Um, I was talking to a friend and I said, should I pay to read it? And she said, well, if he's normal, yeah. <laughs> so I owe that friend. Um, she will be at the wedding. And um, so we just exchanged a lot of messages that day. And at the end of the day, he asked for my phone number. And it seemed a little quick, but I thought I had by that time figured out that we had a common friend on Facebook and I knew he was an actual person. He wasn't some creepster. And so I gave him my phone number. Um, he told me later that that was the last day of his subscription was the day <laughs> that I smiled at him. So that's why he asked for my phone number so quickly. Um, so right away, we just began communicating and talking and then um, we FaceTimed so we could have a conversation and see each other. Mm -hmm. um, and from the beginning, our first conversation was just very easy um, and very full of joy, which kind of surprised me. I remember getting off the phone and thinking, huh, that was really neat. Is, isn't God wonderful? And isn't, he just works wonders and he surprises us all the time. Uh, how many times would would you see that somebody see something like that with somebody who was on their last day of mm. of Catholic match and you just happen to see it and decide, well, I'll pay for one month just <laughs> so yeah. I can see what his response is. Uh, in, in the Jerusalem Bible, the last line of the last verse of Isaiah 60 says, in due time, I will act with speed. And I've found God does that so often. So, so you you uh, you're at a situation now when when you had this phone conversation, where if you really squint, you can see the River Jordan. Mm -hmm. So tell us about what happened next. Well, we um, just began talking, and then um, it was funny because this this was kind of the end of November, beginning of December, and he really wanted to come visit. Um, before Christmas, but I was thinking about my plans to go up to Dallas and I wasn't going to be here and how would that work? And um, I was doing a um, program in Kansas, which is where he's from, in January. And I said, well, I can just meet you when I come up in You're January. At St. Benedict's? Um, no, it's um, called the Spiritual Mentorship Program. It's um, okay. through, with the Apostles of the Interior Life in the School of mm, Faith okay. in Kansas City. And um, and so we we're kind of like, yeah, we'll do that. And then he, and then one day he's like, I don't want to freak you out, but I want to come down and visit. <laughs> he really wanted to come. And okay. so that was a huge blessing because actually that's what I preferred is to kind of meet him on, on my own home turf. And so he actually came to, um, to Dallas because he came right after Christmas and I was still in Dallas with family. And um, he stayed at my parents' house. <laughs> so at the end of our first meal, I met him at the restaurant and he looked across the table at me. He kind of slammed his hand down on the table. And he said, let's go meet your parents. <laughs> so um, he met his, he met my parents about an hour and a half after he met me for the first time in person. Um, so, but that visit was very blessed and just um, had a lot of time to get to know each other and talk. And he met a lot of my family and I got to show him around kind of where I grew up and um, schools I went to and the church I went to and things like that. So it was a really neat first meeting. And he's from a town that's not nearly the size of Dallas-Fort Worth. Correct. He is from Topeka, Kansas. <laughs> and actually his family is from out west of there a little bit because we've had a discussion where uh, I have an uncle and aunt who shared his yes, last name. That's true. <laughs> so he, he was he taken aback by uh, what he saw when he came to where you were from? Did that shock him at all? or? I don't think so. He's lived in a lot of different places. Um, he went to Steubenville for um, college, and then he worked in a lot of different cities. So he lived in Kansas City and other big cities. So, Well, Steubenville is one of those other three or four or five most Catholic colleges in the country, yep. isn't it? 
So, so you had the first the first date, mm-hmm. and he's obviously it must have shocked you a little bit that he was moving so fast that he wanted to meet meet your parents right away. You know, it was funny. I'm not a fast mover. I'm kind of slow, and I'm a deliberator, and I'm a weigh all the pros and cons kind of person. But there was something very. Um, good about the process. And I felt like God was very present in it. And so that really enabled me to kind of go with the flow. And um, so did that, that end up with a visit to Topeka or did he come down to uh, Bryan College Station or, or uh, both? Well, the next time, actually, when I went up in January for that program in Kansas, I did stop in Topeka and I got to meet his family and um, visit with him a little bit before I went to that program. Um, and actually, that was only a month, maybe six weeks after we'd started communicating. Um, but that's actually when we started talking about who would move and <laughs> um, started talking a little bit about marriage that early on as well. And that, how long ago was that? Was it was that like this last Christmas? Yes. Wow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> wow. That is just remarkable. Yeah, it's funny. I have a really good friend who is a very prayerful person. And one time she had said to me, I think it's going to happen quick. And of course, this is, you know, when I wasn't dating anyone and when I, you know, was really struggling. And I thought, well, that's ridiculous. First of all, I don't even know what's going to happen. And second of all, I don't want it to happen quick because I'm slow. <laughs> but um, it's actually been a very beautiful process. So God is faithful. And all he does is ask us to be faithful in the process. And you, you were faithful in working for him in the way that he asked you to do. You were faithful to him in re- looking on match dot, catholicmatch.com. Mm-hmm. And you were faithful to him in paying for a one-month subscription. <laughs> and so sometimes when we think of God being faithful, we think, well, I put my quarter I put my 27 Hail Marys in the slot. I ought to be getting my answer now, right? And I think that that was probably my attitude for a long time. One of the really beautiful realizations this week, actually, um, is that God is bringing all of this about, and I have a lot of gratitude, and I don't, I don't feel like I deserve this. I don't feel like it's because I waited well. I don't feel like it's because I prayed a certain way or did a certain thing. Um, all of it is his gracious gift. And that's been a huge blessing to realize that. Um, I had a moment where God basically said to me, if I had answered your prayer one moment sooner, you would have grasped, you would have felt entitled, you would have clung to it. Um, he somehow knew when I was ready to receive it as gift and not as something I felt like I deserved. And I don't know how he brought that about. Um, there was definitely a time before I met Jesse, shortly before I met him, where I finally feel like God moved something in my heart or I let go some way and I kind of said, okay, maybe I'm not supposed to get married. And it wasn't that I didn't think I was supposed to, but somehow that was a letting go for me. And that I think somehow enabled God to really give this as gift and not as something that I felt like I deserved. Well, look at Abraham and Sarah and and how many times they had to let go. And Abraham had to do it on Mount Moriah mm-hmm. at one time. And God, God said, all right, you're willing to let go. I'll give it back to you. Yep. 
And the story of Sarah is one of my favorites, not just because of the name, <laughs> um, but because in that story you see um, how she struggles with the waiting and then she tries to make what she thinks is supposed to happen happen and all the hurt that comes with that and all the struggle and kind of laughing at the fact that these messengers say this is going to happen. Um, but then in the end, um, God does bring that about. What's the next step for you? I mean, your house is for sale, so obviously <laughs> you're you're getting ready to do something different. Yes. So I don't know exactly what I will be doing. <laughs> which now, are you as soon as your house sells? Are you moving to Topeka? Um, I am moving this summer. Yes. Yes. So um, when we began to pray about who would move, I think we both kind of went into it with the assumption that it would be Jesse. <laughs> um, I felt like I just. Um, some things here at Change at St. Mary's and I had gotten a promotion and I just thought, well, I can't leave. And so he'll have to move to Texas. And I think when he first met me, he thought, well, Texans don't leave Texas, so I'll have to move. (laughs) Um, But we were both kind of surprised that when we really prayed about it, um, we both felt like we belonged in Kansas. And that was well, that's interesting. very clear. Well, you got prepared for the winters by being in North, was it North Dakota? <laughs> yes, it was North Dakota. <laughs> Won't be quite as bad. Yes. I actually like winter, so I'm excited to have seasons. <laughs> so what does Jesse do? Um, Jesse was a teacher um, and he's retired from that, but now he works with the foster care system. He's a driver. Okay. So he, I am so glad that he does his job. I could never do his job. <laughs> Um, but he sees it as a ministry of helping um, those kids. So I'm sure that uh, you're expecting God to offer you a surprise on on what you're going to be doing when you get to Topeka, too. Yes. This process has been really interesting and a huge lesson in trust for me because um, I'm a planner and I like to see all the, all the steps before I take the first step. Um, but there's been a huge grace in this time to just do the next thing that he tells me to do. Um, and so I've been going one step at a time, <laughs> okay. not knowing the final destination. When is the wedding? The wedding is in December. In Plano? Actually, it's here at here? St. Mary's. Wow. There, it's too bad the new church won't be here. I actually like the old church. <laughs> so I'm glad that it will well, be Well, we need the people to be standing in the aisles, I'm sure. <laughs> so you've got a lot going on. Uh, if you had to summarize something uh, as to give hope to somebody that is maybe waiting for God to act in their lives, what would you tell them? Gosh, I think it's probably the realization that I had in adoration this past week. And that is God is in every season. I think that for a long time, I felt he wasn't in the waiting season. He wasn't in the time of drought. Um, But I think what he showed me this week is that he's, He's in all the seasons. So he was in that season with me, and now he's in this season with me of blessing. And if it changes again, he'll be with me in that one. I think it's very easy to see him in the happy times, um, but he's just as present and working in the other times. Um, I don't think I would, actually, I know I wouldn't be as joyful and as grateful for now if I hadn't had the time of waiting, which is a little bittersweet to say because I didn't like that time (laughs) and I don't necessarily want that time again but he's shown me that that time created a space and an ability for me to receive this blessing and so um, he's in all those seasons with us. I thank you so much Sarah for being here. Yours is a wonderful story and one that 
that I know that many people will be blessed to hear. And I wish you every blessing on your new life that you're starting this summer. And we will be back again next week uh, with uh, another guest and another one. And in the meantime, remember when choosing between the values of heaven and the values of earth, always round up. Thank you for listening.